All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible Book by Book. I am Pastor Luke, and this is First and Second Kings. And I'm taking First and Second Kings together um, because they were originally um, looked at as one volume, and uh, likely, uh, although we don't know for sure, um, but likely written by the prophet Jeremiah, who also is uh, said to have written First and Second Samuel. So. As you understand those books, um, what you would see is that First and Second Samuel it would have been one volume. First and Second Kings would have been one volume, um, and originally they probably were understood to be uh, First Kings. First and Second Samuel was First Kings, and then First and Second Kings was Second Kings. Um, but uh, because of um, some practical matters, some practical issues with the size of scrolls, how long they could be. Uh, they were broken up into four books instead of two. So first and second Kings, uh, basically it follows uh, the history of Israel and Judah and uh, covers um, about 400 years of history, which is interesting because the Israelites were in Egypt for about 400 years in slavery. And uh, then the period of the judges was about 400 years. And then the period of the kings was about 400 years. And then the silence between the testaments, between uh, the last prophet of Israel, Malachi, and uh, the coming of Jesus is about 400 years. So um, that's not, there's no necessarily... Um, I don't know if there's a significance attributed to that. I've never heard anyone talk about anything um, significant in terms of sim symbolism uh, or, or meaning behind the 400-year periods. Um, but it is something just to understand. As you're reading through Scripture, you, you can get a, a picture of how long these time periods are. So uh, that's one basic way to understand uh, this, this, how these are uh, segmented. Uh, about 400-year periods of history on each one of those. Um, now, um, as we cover First Kings, uh, what we're going to see is that uh, we're seeing Solomon, and he's covered uh, the the most in the in the first volume of First Kings. So, almost the first half of First Kings deals with the reign of Solomon and all that he did, and all of the accomplishments, and um, how glorious his kingdom was. Um, and so what you have is between Solomon um, and then his son, Rehoboam, uh, who takes over after he reigns, uh, who ends up splitting the kingdom. So uh, right after Solomon, you have a divided kingdom. And so the northern kingdom is Israel and the southern kingdom is Judah. Uh, and the, one of the reasons why Judah is called Judah is because the primary tribe uh, in that uh, region is the tribe of Judah, and the king is from the tribe of Judah, even though they also have the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Levi. Um, it, it is uh, the, the nation is basically um, referred to as Judah, and then the region is called Judah. Uh, so as you go back and forth, what you see in First Kings, Second Kings, is, is a history that goes back and forth between the two um, sides of the nation, so the north and south. And so it'll describe the reign of a southern king to its end, and then it'll pick up 
uh, the reign of the, the northern king and describe his reign until he dies, and then it'll pick up uh, you know, the next king in the southern region. And so for that reason, sometimes it can be a little difficult to keep clear in your mind what's going on in First and Second Kings because it's going back and forth, back and forth, um, and sometimes the names of the kings sound similar, and it can be a little confusing. So you have to pay extra special attention to which uh, region you're in, which kingdom you're in, and um, who who the king is and what's going on. So um, what happens between Solomon um, and the end of First Kings is uh, you have some kings covered briefly, and then you have King Ahab, uh, who, who takes up a large portion of the rest of First Kings. And Ahab is a wicked king. He is in the northern kingdom. Um, but what's significant about Ahab is that uh, God raises up a prophet during his reign, and that is Elijah. And Elijah begins um, a, a ministry of the prophets uh, that uh, covers really the, the rest of the history. So God is going to uh, begin speaking through primarily through prophets uh, to the kings. The kings themselves are, are the political uh, rulers, and then the prophets are become the the conscience for God in the kingdom, which is a little bit different than the way it had been earlier in the history. Because earlier in the history, the rulers of the the kingdom in in Israel were generally the spiritual leaders as well. Well, now they're uh, is a, a division between the political rulers and the spiritual leaders, and that is more clearly seen in the time of Ahab. Um, so it goes back and forth from Israel to Judah, and the northern kingdom, uh, one way to remember this is that the northern kingdom has no godly kings. There never is one king uh, in the northern kingdom in Israel who is ever described as being godly. And, and one of the reasons why that is is because even though um, sometimes they will say that they worship God, uh, Yahweh, and the true God, they're doing it in a way that is uh, basically invalid. Um, they're, they're, they're doing it in the wrong manner. Uh, they have built for them a false temple. They have uh, built for themselves uh, idols, which is forbidden. So even if the image represents the true God, uh, just the very nature of uh, that practice is forbidden. God told his people that it was uh, wrong, illegal, and, and against the law um, to build any image that represented him. Uh, and so they were not permitted to do that. And so the northern kingdom, uh, they defy that rule and they build themselves idols that are, are meant to represent God. And uh, then they also... Uh, do another strange thing, which is that they, well, it's not really strange because it, it actually becomes a practical issue for them. Uh, because the tribe of Levi is uh, still in the southern kingdom and they're still serving at the temple that Solomon built, um, the, the northern kingdom has no priests. They, have, uh, they don't have the tribe of Levi, um, and so they begin to... Um, give their priesthood to anybody and everybody who um, will pay or who will um, give the king a, a bribe uh, so that they can become priests in the kingdom. So they divvy out the priesthood 
among uh, all the different tribes. And so there are um, corruption uh, issues that begin to arise very early on, right from the start, uh, because of the the fear that people would return back to Judah where the temple is and to correct practices. Uh, they create for themselves different ways to worship the true God that God does not accept. And so in the northern kingdom, um, doesn't mean that there aren't some godly people there, uh, but it, what it does mean is that because they are out of bounds of God's rules and how to practice their faith, they never can quite get to the point where they are accepted, received, and blessed by God. And so that becomes their their big downfall. Um, and, and likely, you know, what we see is that um, God is going to bring them to an end sooner than later because of the fact that uh, they just cannot come to a place of, of right practice, right faith, right religion uh, with God, no matter what they do, because they're, they're out of bounds in even how they're worshiping. So Second uh, Kings covers about 300 years of history, and uh, around chapter 15, we see that uh, Israel as a nation ends. It, it is uh, exiled by the Assyrians. They're conquered. So God brings the, the northern kingdom to an end. He judges them, um, and uh, they become a people that are dispersed all over the world. And so how the Assyrians practiced um, uh, their, their, their uh, conquering or exiling people is that the way they would take the people of a nation, they would spread them all over the world, and they, then they would take other people, and then they would take them and put them in those nations. So uh, the northern kingdom... Uh, of Israel became a place where there was mixed religion. There was mixed races. They they were uh, became a, a land that that was um, just highly um, impacted by this kind of of mixture of faith and languages and people and practices and cultures. And so it, it uh, now is truly the Samaria. Um, that uh, we see in the New Testament. Uh, this is what has happened, that the, the northern kingdom has been infiltrated by the world so completely um, that uh, it, it just doesn't even look anything like true uh, Judaism. Um, and so that's the end of the northern kingdom. And uh, the prophecy concerning that is that that's, that's what would happen, that they, they would never... Um, be recovered, uh, that they, the 10 tribes of Israel that were dispersed were going to be dispersed basically forever. Um, and so that has come true. And then in the southern kingdom, uh, we see the rest of, of Second Kings covering about 100 more years of history in the southern kingdom. And now in the southern kingdom, uh, this, the same thing is not true. Uh, as far as this nation being wicked, they are uh, having a, a they have a pattern of of one godly king followed by a, a an ungodly king followed by a godly king, and over and over and over they do this. And so, in the last hundred years of of Judah's history, they actually have two of the most righteous kings that they ever had in their whole history, even from the time of David. Uh, Hezekiah was one, and Josiah was another, who were a tremendously godly kings who 
trusted God completely, who followed God uh, wholeheartedly and got rid of idols and false worship and made sure that the, the people um, were, were consecrating themselves in the way that, that they were supposed to, uh, they, they had uh, begun to do some really tremendous uh, revivals and reformations among uh, the people in Israel in their, in their reigns. And so um, this is a pattern, though, that uh, God just comes to a point where he says, I'm just not going to continue with this forever. Uh, because as soon as you have uh, a one godly king who, who creates a reform, as soon as he dies, his son will come along and totally undo uh, everything that that righteous king had, had done. Had, they'll rebuild all the, the false temples, the false worship, uh, reinstate all kinds of evil practices, and um, just lead the people further and further astray. And so it always depended on the, the leadership of the king in what the direction of the nation was going to be. And so one of the things that you basically uh, can interpret and understand these books to be about is that when uh, the, the king is following the Lord and, and obeying the law and leading the people to trust God, that they were blessed and that they were safe and that they were um, secure, that they had... Um, the, the, the pleasure and the good will of God on their side. And, and then when they refused to trust God, when they disobeyed him and worshiped idols, that they began to see God removing his blessing and his protection. Um, and so that pattern goes back and forth over and over throughout First and Second Kings. Uh, but the end of the matter is that uh, in Second Kings, we uh, see that there is an exile of the, the southern kingdom as well. The Babylonians come in and they conquer Judah, and they destroy Jerusalem, and they take the king uh, captive, and they destroy the temple, and they totally um, just demolish everything that uh, the southern kingdom, what Israel stood for um, when they do that. So the Babylonians conquer the southern kingdom, and it looks pretty bleak that God has basically given up on his people and that their history is over. Uh, but that is not the case. And in the end, the very final uh, paragraph of Second Kings gives you some hope. It ends with the king Jehoiachin uh, being treated kindly by the king of Babylon, uh, which means that uh, God has not given up on his promise that he will continue to have a, 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 a king in place uh, who is going to fulfill his, his guarantee, his promise that there would be a Messiah. And so they look at the end of Second Kings as this hopeful um, glimpse of the future, that uh, God will certainly bring about his Messiah in his time, that even when things are as dark and bleak and and uh, as bad as they could possibly imagine them being, uh, that God is still in control and that he is going to bring about his final solution in his time. And so uh, First and Second Kings points to that uh, reality uh, that all of these things are leading to the, the sense that uh, no earthly king can fulfill what God has promised. It has to be a, a supernatural event. There has to be a Messiah who is both God 
and human who can be a, a, a leader for the whole world in a way that uh, these kings just could not fulfill. And so as you read through First and Second Kings, you get that picture in mind uh, that uh, God is, is still in control and he's pointing everything to his uh, ultimate history that he's going to bring about the solution. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we have a lot of people um, who are just not capable of getting it right. And so um, that's what First and Second Kings is all about. And I uh, hope that you'll take the time to read through those books uh, as you read through your Bible and, and understand them just a little bit better. So that is your Bible, book by book, and that's First and Second Kings.